You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 124. Today, I'm talking to my good buddy, Mr. Lewis Howes, all about how to create your game plan for playing big. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 800,000 downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Welcome to the Mind Your Business Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another extraordinary, unbelievable, phenomenal episode. We're going to get into a an amazing interview with Lewis Howes in just a moment. Real quick, I am coming to you on the road. I'm here in Dallas, Texas. I'm in a hotel room with my wife. We are at my mastermind that I'm actually a member of. Yes, I'm a member of a mastermind. And I love it. I love being a student for a few days. You know, I've been in, in masterminds every single year that I've been in business, except for one. That one year, I felt it. I really did. I felt the difference. So I will commit to always being a part of a group or always having some sort of coaching or mentoring. And I couldn't give enough advice or encouragement for you to do the same. If you feel stuck, if you feel like you're missing something, if you feel like you're not growing fast enough, I really, really, really encourage you to be a part of some sort of coaching group mastermind. Get someone to help you and support you. We're not meant to do this alone. We're really not. And it's those coaches and peers, you know, peers in the industry that have helped me get to where I am today. I can't say, I can't give myself credit. You know, I can't say, oh, it was all me. I figured it all out myself. You know, that was version 1.0 of James. It was like, oh, I'll figure it all out myself. That wasn't working. And I know a lot of people try and do that. And they say, well, if I want to, if I really want to do this, I'm going to figure it out myself. You totally can. It just takes longer. And unfortunately, most people don't have the willpower, the patience, or the finances to go the long, slow, and hard way. So please get coaching. Now, I do have uh, my mastermind. I, I also run one, the Inner Circle. We are almost ready to open up the application process for the year. I will say our requirements to be part of that group are pretty stringent. But if you are interested, go ahead and shoot an email to Rose. She's the head of our customer success department. And that email is customersuccess at jameswebmore.com. And just let her know that you may be interested in applying for the group. The seats are very limited. And last year, I think I turned down between 20 to 25 applicants. We just don't have that many spots available. But if you are interested, please let us know. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this interview. Holy moly, Mr. Lewis House. Now, I've known Lewis really ever since I started my business. About nine years ago, we met on a cruise ship. We tell the story in the interview. And just to watch his growth has been phenomenal. I mean, he's got one of the largest, most downloaded podcasts in the world. You know, this is his second big book that he's written. Most likely, I'm predicting it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. It becomes available for sale the day after this. We're going to link it up in the show notes. The book is called The Mask of Masculinity. And the first thing I want to throw out there is, look, if you're not a male, 
don't skip this episode. Don't think it doesn't apply to you. And I know it's like, oh, this will be good for my spouse, my husband, or my boyfriend. No, 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 no. Because the bigger thing that's going on here is we talk about this concept of a mask, what it is, why we wear them, and how the heck we can take them off. And when I look at where Lewis was when we met, who was the big dumb jock, and where he is today, how he's been able to impact millions, it is because he had the courage to take these masks off. And I can see the same in my own life. My biggest spurts of growth, if you will, these quantum leaps in growth happened when I took one of these masks off. And we both share stories of this in this episode. So don't discount this as where's the seven figure 10x business strategy? Because I strongly, strongly believe that if you want to grow, it's not about working on your business. It's about working on you. And Lewis not only believes that as well, but he's a living testament to that. And in this episode, he's going to give you the game plan for how the heck we can do that. So who is Lewis House? Lewis is a lifestyle entrepreneur, high-performance business coach, author, and keynote speaker. He's a former professional football player and two-sport All-American. And he's a current USA men's national handball team athlete. Lewis hosts the School of Greatness podcast, which has received millions of downloads since its launch in 2013. He's the author of the School of Greatness, which provides a framework for achieving real, sustainable, and repeatable success. And now he's the author of the brand spanking new book, The Mask of Masculinity. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's play that interview. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with none other, the man, the myth, the legend, and a very, very good friend of mine, Mr. Lewis House. Lewis! James Wedmore, wow. you're one of my favorite people in the world oh, because early on, people don't know this, but early on, you were one of the first people I met that I was inspired by because you had a product that was a bar no, what was it, like a mobile bartending yep. product, physical book thing that you created? Bartend for and, profit. Yep. Yeah, and I was just so impressed as this like 22-year-old that you were at the time, I think, 23, 24 maybe, yeah. about what you were doing in online marketing. And you just pretty much figured it all out on your own and just studied it and researched it. And I was like, man, this guy's smart. And I I've mean, always thank been you. impressed by your ability to – understand business by just researching it and figuring it out and testing it. And so everyone listening, you guys are in good hands with mm. James teaching you. Well, I, I really appreciate that, Lewis. I think this, this interview is extra special for me just because it's 10 years in the making. 10 years, man. It's crazy. 10 years. Yeah. So Lewis and I both met it. You know, we're both the, about the same age. Are you 35? 34. 34. Yeah. So I just turned 34 and we both met, you know, same age, both starting out at the same time, and we just gravitate. Remember, we met on a cruise ship, and uh, <laughs> the couples cruise ship. The couples cruise ship. We were the single guys, <laughs> yeah. and you know what I've always loved is how, like, both very similar goals and what we were doing, and very aligned similarly, but very different strengths. And, oh, you know, way different. Yeah, I, I could never do what you do. Well, and I've always struggled to learn what you do. And I think what's so great is that what you do rubs off. It's very contagious. And so, mm. you know, you can acknowledge me all day. 
and I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you. But something I've always noticed with you is, is just your presence and everything about you is so big and mm-hmm. you inspire the people around you to think and act and be big as well. And we just met up recently in Austin randomly because we both happened to be staying at the so same funny. hotel. Like yeah. we're both in Southern California and then there we are hanging out in Austin and like just hanging around you for an hour or so. And you know that it was just so infectious, so contagious that, you know, your way of being. And so when we look at your life and what you've created from where we were on a cruise ship, trying to figure <laughs> out how to create our first online business to where you are today you're filling a room with how many people went to the summit of of greatness uh we had about 850 we had you know we're trying to get a thousand but amazing few few people left so before they didn't show up so it's all good second major book about to release yeah um one of the biggest most popular podcasts in the world millions and millions of downloads like it's you know i I think it just all start these these are just an effect of, of who you are Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I so appreciate it. it's I, fun. I feel like I've just been like fooling people for the last 10 years. Because, <laughs> and here's the thing. I'm not just trying to acknowledge you here, but there's so much that I'm like inspired by how you're able to just execute on the details of everything online from like design to technical stuff. Like you could just always figure it out. It was like a language that I could never speak. And I always remember feeling so intimidated. And then whenever I'd connect with you, I was just like, James has got this figured out. Yeah. It just you always made me feel like at ease because you always had this stuff figured out. <laughs> Welcome to the hour long man crush show where <laughs> exactly. there's James are just going to crush on each other. <laughs> no, but but I am. I'm going to continue crushing on you because you gave me an early release copy like you sent me one yes. in the mail. But then when I met you in Austin, you just pull one out of your backpack and you're like, here, dude. And I devoured the book. Mm. I was so blown away and I'm so impressed. And I'm going to recommend it to all of our listeners here. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This is this is not, you know, the marketing, the latest marketing strategy that's working that's going to 10x your business. This is, I mean, I don't even think we can put into words how transformative your message is going to be for so many people. So, well, here's the, here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. You know, my intention for this 40, whatever minutes we're going to go on here is to give as much value as possible to actually help you a hundred X your business. Because I think the, actually the message and the stuff we're going to be talking about, the inner work is what holds people back. You mentioned saying that, you know, I live big or I have a big energy or whatever it is. And I think there's a lot of people, especially listening right now, who are playing it too safe, who are playing it small when I know what's possible for people because I know what's possible for myself. And I'm constantly like trying to expand my own mind and my own fears and embrace them so that I can be more in the world and achieve what I want to achieve. And I think there's a lot of people listening who are probably doing awesome things, who are making six figures, maybe seven figures, who are doing stuff they love. But I just believe in my heart that they're probably playing small in some area of your life. So I'd love for you to, if you're listening right now, to evaluate and take inventory. Is there a place in my life, maybe it's in an intimate relationship with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my wife, my husband, where I'm playing small or safe or that I'm scared? Is there a place in my career or my work or my business where I've been afraid to go because I'm afraid to fail, I'm afraid to look bad, I'm afraid of people judging me? Is there a place in my health where I know I could be better with my health? whether it be my sleep, whether it be the way I talk to myself internally, my mental conversations, my emotional health, where I know I'm holding back somewhere. 
is there a place in your health where you're playing small? Maybe you're eating poor foods all day, but you're making the excuse of, oh, I just want to live life and feel good, but you're actually killing yourself by consistently eating poor foods over time. So evaluate and take inventory right now. Is there a place in my life that I am playing small? I can guarantee 100% of people, including myself and you, James, there's a place where we are playing small. And it's just to be aware, first off, of how we can improve that area of our life and why have we been scared of embracing it or looking at it? Why have we been neglecting it and just being aware first, not making each other wrong or bad, but just being aware and taking inventory and then recommitting to a solution for ourselves, a game plan, a a way to execute differently so we can reconnect to that bigger vision. Mm. And that's what it's all about. It's kind of like a holistic approach to life. If you want to increase your business, then it first starts with the inner work, which I believe we're going to be going into. Yeah. Well, and so would you say that the core premise of your book is that it's these masks that we have that limit how big we play? Absolutely, man. Because we put masks on to fit in. And in order Mm. to fit in, we're never actually being who we truly are because we're always trying to be something else to please other people. You know, for many years, I'll give an example. When I was in fourth grade, my teacher took us out to the recess together and said, okay, class, we're going to do a class dodgeball game. And there's going to be two teams, two sides of the court. And I'm going to pick the captains. So he picked these two kind of popular kids as the pickers, right? So they got to pick one person at a time till the teams were full. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm the tallest kid in the class. I'm pretty athletic. I'm probably going to be picked one of the first people. Of course, they're going to recognize that about me. And one by one, they start picking all the boys in our class. And it comes down to like the last four boys. And I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get worried and nervous. Like, oh man, am I not as, you know, do they not like me? What's going on? And it comes down to the last two boys And they end up picking the other guy before me. And so I think, okay, I'm the last guy picked. This freaking sucks. And what happened was they didn't pick me next. They picked a girl. And then they picked another girl. And then they picked the other 15 girls in the class. And by default, I wasn't even picked. I was just the last one that just had to go on that person's team. And I remember in that moment, I was like, furious. I was just raging with shame, with embarrassment, with, you know, felt like it was intentional. And I was like a maniac on the dodgeball court, like diving everywhere, just like slamming it in people's faces. I was just like, I'm going to destroy these people. And from that moment on, I pretty much said to myself, I will never get picked last again. I'm going to be the biggest, fastest, strongest athlete I can be so that this never happens. So I don't have to feel this like emotional pain inside. Wow. And so I put on the athlete mask and every single day I trained like a beast to become bigger, faster, stronger, more coordinated. And I used that fuel to fit in. I said, this is who I'm going to become so that I'm accepted by my peers and the world to prove to them that I'm worthy of their acceptance, their love, their picking me, whatever it was. And here's the scary thing about masks. Masks work. They get us big results. The bigger we, the more we put it on our face, 
it gets it drives us to fit in and it worked for me i was all state in couple sports all american in couple sports played professional football all these things it worked got me results but it left me feeling very lonely it left me feeling like i was like the biggest loser when i did lose i didn't know how to lose because mm. it was like an attack on my like heart yeah. it was like if i lose then people aren't going to choose me anymore they're not going to accept me they're not going to love me so i would be angry for days after a loss in a game and if i lost i wasn't happy it was like it wasn't enough i, I wasn't perfect there was always something and i needed to win and i needed to be right and that didn't only happen in sports. It happened in my relationships. It happened in school. It happened in everything where I had this mentality. And it wasn't until I recognized that my life was about me needing to win and be right and everyone yeah. else needing to lose and be wrong. Well, real quick, Lewis, there's some yeah. things I just want to even expand upon bigger because this is yeah. huge and what an amazing story. And something I always noticed about you, you know, Lewis and I worked on projects together over the years <laughs> and there was always something I noticed. I never said it to you. I never, I never called you out on it or anything because it's like you said, because that would be the biggest objection is like, well, these masks do work. We would do webinars. We would do training. And Lewis would say something like, James is the best YouTube in marketer the in the world. He's the number one. <laughs> and I was like... I might have been, though. Well, we're not disagreeing with you there. I mean, come on. <laughs> but what I really noticed was Lewis's context of even how he experience business yeah. was you're either number one or you're a loser exactly. you've lost yeah i'm and, not gonna have like bottom 20 right you know, right to be in introducing you, i was like i needed the best yeah so i mean that was look that was gonna be i was gonna play devil's advocate and be like well mm -hmm. dude to become a professional athlete obviously this mask worked in some way and yeah. now i do get the negative impact i do get the consequences of this but then my biggest question is you're aware of the mask. You're aware of the impacts of wearing the mask, but you're also aware of the, of the benefits oh that it's gosh. provided. So how does Lewis live his life now? How do you live? I mean, are you, you're yeah. not going to take Let the mask off. And, and then I'll answer that. Sure. I'll give an example that leads into that. So when I was done playing football and done playing my you know, sports, which I was the embodiment of the athlete mask. And then all of a sudden it's ripped away from me from an injury. And it's like ripping the identity out of someone yeah. when they no longer have their mask. It's like depression, darkness, fear, insecurity, like everything comes out. Cause now I'm like, well, who am I? I've always led with, I'm this guy who lives with this mask on and I'm the athlete guy. And now that I can't perform as an athlete, that's where I had my entire self-worth wrapped around. And so I no longer have self-worth if I'm no longer able to embody this athlete mask. So it was dark for a couple of years and you were kind of like meeting me right at the, at the tail end of that. And so I said to myself after, you know, a year and a half on my sister's couch, like I no longer am going to be broke. I don't want to be broke anymore. This feels horrible. I'm sick of feeling scarce every month to month living off of like no food and just like always having to ask people for money and whatever. So I'm going to become as rich as I can be. I'm going to try to stack my bank account and I'm going to obsess over material things. So I put on the material mask and I said, okay, what do I need to do? How can I make money? What's the focus? I just started interviewing people who were millionaires and started asking them and said, okay, I got to make money, got to make money, got to make money. I obsessed over making money. And funny enough, it worked. Hmm. It worked. I made lots of money. You were there with me. Yep. I made lots of money and focused on it. And here's the thing. 
I gained 60 pounds and people started calling me Fluis for Fat Lewis. <laughs> I remember I, that. You remember. You remember. I was like Marshmallow Man because my cheeks were always so fat. And I was eating whatever I wanted. I wasn't sleeping because I was just like, got to make money, got to make money, yep. got to make money. I was up till 4 a.m. every night, like, got to connect with people and do webinars and got to make money, got to make money. It was just like obsessing over making money. And it worked. I made lots of money. It was getting me out of this scarce environment, financially at least. And it worked. So it was like this conflict of, okay, this is working here, but it was never enough. And it hurt, you know, my relationships with my business partner, you saw, mm-hmm. were affected because of, not just because of the material mask, because of lots of masks. And also I didn't have any other like intimate relationships that were working. I didn't, my health wasn't working and it was never enough. I was constantly unfulfilled and I was scared to lose it. I was like, terrified to lose it because I said, well, if I don't have money in my bank account, then will I be in the room with these other influencers? Will people like me? Will they accept me? And so my worth was attached to my financial worth and my net worth as opposed to, again, my way of being, my energy, my openness, my heart, my compassion. And it was never enough. And so to answer your first, your last question, which was, what was the question again? So, so yeah, one, once you realize, oh, I'm wearing these masks, how do you operate do you shift? and yeah. lift, live today? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The fuel to prove people wrong is some of the most powerful fuel there is. I know because I lived it for 30 years mm-hmm. and my whole life was, I'm going to be the best to prove everyone else wrong who hurt me in second, fifth 12th grade, whatever, like whatever grade you want to name it, like anyone who made fun of me, anyone who ever said something about me, anyone who, you know, I remember when I was, was it six years old, five or six years old, I had to pay money to get friends. There was literally a club. It's funny how we remember certain things. Yeah. There was literally a club that these two, again, like popular kids created in my neighborhood or whatever, like this basement club of like hang out with friends. There were two kids, and they said, you either need to be able to answer one of two questions or pay $5 to join the club. And I go, okay, well, ask me the questions. (laughs) And they asked me the questions, and one of them was like, name two people that have gone to the moon or something. And another, I can't remember the other one. And I didn't know the answers to either of them because I, you know, was, felt like I was this dumb person that didn't know anything. And so they said, okay, you can't join the club unless you give us $5. So I literally walked home and asked my mom for money so I could have friends. And I remember getting a shoebox from her of like pennies and nickels and dimes of $5 and walking it over and handing them a shoebox and how like embarrassed and shameful I felt that whole time hanging out with them. And then going home, I never went back because I was just like, this is not the life I want to live, you know, even as like a five or six year old. And it drove me to prove those kids and everyone wrong. I was just like, I'm going to prove the world wrong. And what happened is I had the weight of the world on my shoulders, constant pressure, constantly not feeling good enough, constantly insecure, living in fear, needing to be right, which means everyone else is wrong, needing to win, which means everyone else has to lose. And when I finally was aware of this, to answer your question, four years ago, I started processing all this stuff and becoming aware and, and started opening up about all this, the fears and insecurities I've had my entire life. And, you know, I've been public about this where I talked about being sexually abused and raped by a man when I was a kid. And my brother was in prison for four and a half years when I was eight years old, which again, I wasn't allowed to have friends during that period. 
and my parents going through divorce when I was a teenager, but really they should have never been together because they were just fighting and screaming my entire childhood, which never made me want to feel, you know, feel safe at home to being in the special needs classes, you know, everything that I went through, which is really not unique to me because every kid or adult has gone through their own adversity of similar stuff and probably worse in some instances. But what I realized while processing this is that we have two ways we can live. We can live from a place of fear, insecurity, anger, rage, and the need to prove others wrong to get their acceptance in the world, to fit in by putting on these masks to fit in. Or we can live our lives from a place of abundance, love, gratitude, and the desire to lift others up. And there was a huge difference when I started to learn this and realize that you could actually live from a place of win-win and all parties are right and finding a solution for the challenge that works for the benefit of all and to do things out of an inspiration to lift others up as opposed to doing things to prove others wrong. And it's been such an emotional weight off my shoulders and emotional freedom and this is what it keeps coming back to me, this word freedom. Mm. Once I started to heal and process these things and let go and forgive myself, my business did skyrocket. My relationships did improve. My health is probably better now than it ever has been. My sense of purpose and meaning and fulfillment. Now when I achieve something, I can appreciate it as opposed to get angry all the time. Now I don't feel like I need to beat people or compete so they lose. I just like to compete because it's fun to compete. Mm -hmm. And if I lose or if I'm not right, it's okay now. You know, again, in this process, in no way am I perfect. And everyone around me will tell you that I still have lots of mistakes and I still have lots of masks on today. But I'm so aware of it when I have them on that I can shift out of it in, you know, 20, 30, 60 minutes of being angry and resentful and unforgiving. I can breathe, take a break, and not hold on to it for three weeks or years of resentment. I can let it go and process my emotions yeah. and feel freedom as opposed to having these things of the past own and control and manipulate me for the rest of my life and making the decisions in my life. And so it's coming from a place of freedom, which allows me to feel more fulfilled and grow as opposed to constantly putting others down and lifting others up to the best of my abilities. And it's all changed in, for my life. Again, if you want to talk about the Mind the Business podcast, <laughs> it's grown my business exponentially. The, yeah. You know, getting on Ellen was no accident. I don't think I would have been on Ellen if I wouldn't have been in, more emotionally available. And I wouldn't be getting the bigger press that I'm getting, you know, the opportunities. I want to be writing a book about masculine vulnerability, that's for sure, which for me has been the most impactful thing I've ever done because of the men who have messaged me saying, thank you for finally giving me permission. I've, you know, I was sexually abused when I was a kid and no one knows I've never shared it, not even my wife when we've been married for 30 years. Now you've given me permission to talk to her. Wow. and feel the weight off my shoulders taken off. And so that's why I think it's like when people have the freedom to step into who they fully are and not constantly trying to fit in or constantly try to be the strong one or constantly try to look good, it's like we can finally live the life we've always wanted. And that's when you can transform your business 
when you step into who you're truly meant to be. I love that. And there's so many things that you said there that I just want to unpack for our listeners a little bit more. I think it's, first of all, I, I commend you as well for just acknowledging that like you're not some perfect, healed, flawless person now, that we're still human. And I think the work that Lewis is doing is really about getting people to discover that it is a mask and that it's separate and that it's not who you truly are. are. And I think so much of the work is in the distinction and in the awareness of the mask. And the book so brilliantly walks people through the ways of being, the actions, the habits, the behaviors of when we're wearing those different masks, which we all have. Here's a quote that I just absolutely love. It says, what you are suppressing is creating disease, disease of the heart, the mind, and the soul. You need to clear this by exposing what you're covering up to the light of openness, honesty, and vulnerability. Now, for some people listening, how does being vulnerable and how does shedding yourself a mask, what does that have to do? How could that build your business? I think Lewis said it when he said, even just taking the weight off of our shoulders, I don't think we, yeah, I don't think we realize how much we carry around with us. You know, Lewis is talking about stories about when he was a young child and chances are until the last couple of years, you were carrying all of that with you. When you are free of that, you know, using your word of freedom, you have so much more power to choose to create and to do what you've never done before. and, And to also come from a different place peace of mind when you're making decisions. Your decision making isn't, again, to fit in or to prove something to someone else. It's to lift others up. It's to serve people. And that's really what it is. It's just that simple shift of, yes, maybe you're taking the same actions. Maybe you're trying to grow your business. You're doing things online. You're creating content, whatever it is. But if you're coming from a space of, I'm doing this and I'm going to put it out there so that my ex-boyfriend sees this or my ex-girlfriend from high school sees how good I'm doing and they get jealous. Like just a simple little energy shift to being like, you know what? I forgive everything and everyone from my past. I take responsibility for my actions and I'm creating this piece of content to inspire, to create a solution in the world, to lift others up. It's just like a you're creating the same piece of content, but the energy and the delivery of what you do and what you say and how you present something is going to shift people differently, whether they want to buy something from you or they're going to feel some type of like, oh, that seemed a little off. And it's funny because when I started opening up about all these things, you know, a few years ago and just kind of going and processing these things before I announced it on my podcast, kind of like what was happening for me, people were listening before and after and they were like messaging me saying, Lewis, something's, something's different. Like I'm a big fan of your podcast before. But like over the last couple of months, like something has shifted. I don't even know what it is, but I like what you're doing and keep doing it. You know, they just kept, people kept saying this and I was like, huh, there's something to this, like honesty and vulnerability and like not trying to prove everyone and not trying to like be the best all the time. There's something mm-hmm. to lifting others up and creating your work to inspire, to educate, to inform from a place of love and service, not I need to look good for like the past kids that hurt me on Facebook or whatever, you know, and that's the difference maker. When we come from a different space and our attention is to lift humanity up with every action we do in our business, we will make better business decisions. We won't be focused on how can I make the most money by, you know, doing this like marketing strategy on people. We'll be saying, yes, we're going to apply the strategies that 
get people to open and to listen and to watch and all these things. But when they get there, offer so much value that you care about the people listening or watching or going through your training that they're just like, wow, he or she really cares. And so I want to be a customer or client for life. And that's the difference between getting a sale and a client for life. Mm, So good. So it sounds like the work starts when we start to identify which mask we're wearing. You identify nine in the book, the stoic, Mm. the athlete, the materialistic guy, the I just wrote notes. So what is it? The sexual, the sexual mask. The, the sexual mask. Yes. Yeah. The, the sexual mask, the aggressive mask, the joker mask, yep. the invisible mask, the know-it-all mask, and the alpha the mask. alpha male. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, and you said in the book that you've worn all of these, and you have a different chapter on each that really describes. You said <laughs> when we were in Austin, you're like, you know, when you read the book, I have a pretty good idea of which mask you wore. So what do you think? What mask do I tend to wear the most? Oh, that you wear? I would say the invincible or no sorry the, the joker and the know-it-all mask the, those are the two that i i wrote down <laughs> absolutely the, the joker and the know-it-all mask so yeah. true now you go into the extremes with the know-it-all yes. where it's like you know you want to make everyone else wrong and and hopefully i haven't done that no maybe, you don't do that maybe at certain yeah. times but i do found there was a line that you said too where like you have this meaning or this context of when you're the know-it-all of you think that if you appear smart to others you'll be liked. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, so that's so true. That's so true. Really? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and it's, it's <laughs> never to, like, prove anybody wrong or to, like, no. I'm right, you're wrong, but it's just like, oh, I just have to appear smart. Oh, that's, yeah, you know. But you what, are smart. You do appear smart. And yeah, I'm, I'm stretching here because I don't think you really wear them, you know. You barely have them on and from time to time. It's not like you're, they're fused to your face like all of them were for me. Um, <laughs> I appreciate but, that. But, you know, I'm stretching there just because I know who you are. You like to joke and humor and these things. And, yes. and those can just be like tendencies if someone is kind of like the joker and the class clown and like, there's something usually deeper within there. And in that chapter, we talk about the example of Robin Williams, Robin Williams who, so good. again, is probably yeah. the fun, one of the funniest humans of all time, arguably, who made a massive impact in multiple areas from stand up to TV to movies who could transition from thing to thing. And, you know, his greatest work for me was not when he was funny, was Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. was the most impactful thing for me he ever did and maybe mrs doubtfire there were some vulnerable moments that really show you a side of him that i could think was who he truly was like goodwill hunting i feel like it was the embodiment of probably what he went through as a human being and his care and his love and his thoughtfulness but when you are known as the funny guy and whenever you are around people and you try to be the goodwill hunting person the thoughtful, caring, insightful person. And people are like, well, wait a minute. I want the funny guy. Like, I need to laugh right now. Can you do a joke? Can you do something for me? We want the funny guy. When you're constantly being accepted and praised for the humor you bring and not praised or accepted for the intellect or to the love or to the kindness that you bring, then that does something to your psyche where you're like, I need to always be funny and Mm -hmm. people aren't going to accept me unless I tell a joke. And I can only imagine the pain and the suffering that he was going through and that he wasn't that he probably didn't feel like he could express with anyone. And that, again, is a heart attack, a disease, a gunshot to the head waiting to happen when men or women or human beings cannot express themselves or they don't feel like they're able to 
and they're not going to be accepted for who they are, then they get to put a mask on to fit in, to feel accepted. But they know deep down that's not who they are because they're always putting on this mask. And the more famous you get for that mask, like athletes, like musicians, like comedians, the more you have to wear it to fit in and gain your popularity and have acceptance in the world. And that's why we see so many of these celebrities struggling to be vulnerable and to open up because it affects their career. It affects their everything. And it's just a shame. I just wish, you know, that Robin Williams was able to express himself in a way that he didn't have to take his life because he just seemed like one of the nicest men alive. And it's just sad that we don't have the tools as men and of course women, but I'm, re- I'm writing this and talking about from my personal experience that, you know, even though one in six men have been sexually abused that are recorded and documented, probably, probably more like one in four, there's no hotline for men to talk about their sexual abuse. There's no conversation in school or class or there's nothing that parents really say like, hey, if this ever happens, you know, it's okay to talk about it. I didn't have that when I was five years old. I didn't know what I was supposed to do when these things happen. So you bottle it up and you try to make sure it never happens again. And it's just like, you know, men commit suicide more than women. And it's not because men are more conditioned to do that. It's because men are more conditioned to not express themselves. And when we constantly have our emotions inside where we're wearing the stoic mask and we never, we always have to be strong and tough and we can never express ourselves, that's a heart attack waiting to happen. If the emotions are constantly inside and never channeled through us, through healthy ways of expressing ourselves, it's going to hurt everything, our business, our relationships. It's all going to suffer at some point. And you know, who knows? I mean, it's freaking – it blows my mind what's happening in the world right now with the racial tension, with the mass shootings in Vegas, with the political tension. It all stems – if you look at all these cases, it stems from angry, hurt men mm-hmm. who feel like they need to protect themselves, who feel like if they're wrong, then their identity is wrong and no one will accept and love them. It's a lot of hurt and pain that where men don't know how to express themselves – in a healthy way. And so they express themselves through anger, pain, frustration, fighting wars in order to be safe and protected. And when we come from that way of being in life, our business will suffer. Maybe it'll work where we make a lot of money and we say, look, it worked because I was focusing on dominating my competition and screwing people over and making sure that I always make them look bad so I can look good. Yeah, it might work in getting financial results, but how are you going to be remembered from the people Mm -hmm. closest to you? Are you even going to have friends? If you lose all the money, would anyone stick around? Or are those only people attracted to your money? Because that's what you've developed your self-worth to be. So I'm kind of rambling here on a lot of different ideas. but this is great. Well, um, I do yeah. have a I do have a quick question here because you, you talked a lot about specifically about men, and the you know the book is around masculinity. I mean, women have these masks as well. Oh, my God. Women have just as many, if not more masks as men do. Right. We all wear masks. And, you know, through the writing of this book, not to get off on topic here, through the writing of this book, I really became aware of, you know, gender nonconforming. And so I want to address this. This is just a human being thing. Mm -hmm. This isn't a female male thing. This is a human being thing that we all have these tendencies to put on a mask to fit in 
to society, to fit in with our families, to fit in with our friends at school, to fit in, in our sports teams, whatever it is, so that we feel accepted and included. No one wants to live in isolation. We're not built for that. We're built to be a part of communities. And when we aren't accepted, we figure out a way to be accepted. We figure out, okay, what do I need to do? Say, these kids are mean to the, you know, it's like in school when you have kids who are bullying someone and then you step in and say, hey, don't do that. And then they shove you in a locker and beat you up. You're like, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to experience this every day. So you start standing behind the group bullying kids and then you start saying things and you start being a bully yourself. Yeah. As opposed, because you just want to fit in. It's natural to want to fit in, but it hurts us in the long run. And the sooner we understand this, and women included, again, women face a lot of their own challenges with being accepted in the workforce, with their pressure of like needing to have it all put together at home and needing to look sexy at home and needing to be driven at work and needing to be always on and cleaning and taking care of the kids and always looking like they have it under control. Like they experience these things just as much. But I think women have what women have that men don't in general, women express their feelings. Women express their fears, their insecurities, what's going on at home, what's going on at work. They get together. They form groups and they express themselves in general. And I think that's what, you know, it's not, there's not women who are going out and committing these crimes and doing these hate crimes and breaking in and stealing as much. It's those that don't express themselves, that don't have a place to feel like they have a friend to lean on and be able to share things that they're afraid of. You know, I think that stat is like almost 45 or 50% of men say that they don't have uh, even one good guy friend that they could share anything with. Wow. They don't feel like they have a guy friend that they could trust and lean on. And girls have lots of girlfriends, right? They're always talking and sharing and they have a safe space to talk about things. And that's what it comes down to is like having an environment to express yourself. Whether it's one friend, a group of friends, freaking a therapist, it doesn't matter. Just the ability to express whether you have a room in your in your house where you just get to scream and cry and be cathartic, whatever it may be, to express yourself and let these emotions out, you get to do it. It's not natural to never cry, mm-hmm. to never smile, to never laugh. Well, that's what to- I think is just so great about your message, the book, and why it's coming from you. Because you are like the, you know, you're the man's man, the, the athlete. Mm-hmm. And it's like this is a total giant ticket of permission <laughs> for guys to, for guys to do this. And look, I just a uh, week or two ago, I interviewed a gentleman by the name of Steve Ozanich and he's been working with a doctor who actually just passed away since the 70s, uh, Dr. Sarno on curing back pain. And 90 some odd percent of their clients are males with chronic back pain mm. and the work is all mind body related and you yeah. know what what the cause is? It's unexpressed and repressed emotions, rage, anger, guilt that is manifesting physically in the body. And when he works with them to release the emotion, the pain goes away. Mm. So true, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so and, and 90 some odd percent of his clients are men. And here's the thing, that pain and trauma and tightness in the back, it moves to the heart and moves to the brain. And why do you think men have more heart attacks than well, women? Why do you yeah. think the men die earlier than women? 
it's not genetic. It's maybe there's some of that involved, but I believe it's more to be the emotional fitness, the emotional expressiveness that are, is suppressed in men yeah. to needing to be tough and the providers and whatever it may be. And it's literally killing men. It kills men when they aren't able to express themselves. And it's, I'm just, again, I appreciate you saying, you know, the nice things about me, but I felt like for me, this was a responsibility for me to do this because Oprah and Brene Brown have been talking about this for years and they preach to the choir and the women love it. (laughs) Women love them and they love this topic because they understand and embrace it. I just feel like not many men who grew up like I did, who kind of look like me, the typical jock looking big white dude, not many of those guys that I know would ever listen to Brene or Oprah or Deepak because they would say, they would, you know, kind of bully and say something about them in a negative way to their friends to look cool. So my goal is that, hey, listen, if you want to make a lot of money in your life, you want to be successful, you want to achieve results in all these different areas of your life, you want to get the girl, whatever it is, you can have all that and you can do it all. My goal is to be that catalyst for men to say, hey, listen, I look like you, I talk like you, I walk like you, and now I've shifted my way of being, and here's what's available on the other side. And you know, hopefully I can be a little bit of a catalyst to get men to just be aware and open up a little bit to start seeing those changes. Yeah. Well, I want to be mindful of our time. This has been phenomenal. Uh, really quick, the, the short version, like conceptually, like taking off a mask, you know, get it. But how does someone actually, if they see like, oh, that's me, I'm, I've been the stoic my whole life. Like, what does a process like that actually look like? They're like, I'm done wearing this mask. How do we actually take it off? A couple of things. One, you've got to, what I would recommend is either verbally first talking about all the things in your past that are, that have hurt you or you felt like you were frustrated by or something you haven't forgiven yet or something that you're upset with. Either talk about them with a friend or the first step could be writing them all down. So getting like a piece of paper and just writing down like the time when I was five and this happened, when I was bullied here, when my parents were screaming at me, when I got beat, whatever it is. Write all those moments down that you can think of and keep writing. This might take you hours. It might take you 30 minutes. Who knows? Write down everything you can think of that upsets you, hurts you from your past that you remember vividly and that you feel embarrassed by or shameful by or, and you haven't forgiven certain people in your life. could be past relationships, whatever. Write it all down first. You need to be aware of it. You need to see it all or verbally talk about it and just get it out there first. You don't have, and you don't have to show this with anyone if you don't want to, but write it down or talk about it. That would be the first step. So you're fully aware of what these moments are. And when, then when you can start to learn how to shift the story around that, you're going to have to shift the story and forgive, either forgive yourself for what you did and the shame and guilt you feel or forgive other people to what they did. You get to forgive because if you never forgive, you're always going to give the power to those people or those moments over you. It's always going to own your power. And when you start to forgive and let that go, then you take your power back and you can use your energy to create the vision in your life, your business, whatever it may be. But if you're always resentful, angry, unforgiving of people or the past, then that's going to have ownership over you. So that's the first step. And then it's going to be a process. You know, again, I'm four years into this. And just a few days ago, I got really angry and defensive of something that happened where I felt very attacked by a guy 
where I felt like he took advantage of me and abused a relationship that I had introduced to him. And I wanted to freaking kill him. Like literally, I wanted to in that moment, like text through the phone, punching him with a text that hit him in the face, but I was texting him. And I was like, wow, this moment has power over me. I'm so angry. I'm allowing this human being to own my power right now. It took me 30 minutes of me realizing it. Then I said, okay, I'm not going to text anything back and I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to breathe. And I just had to process it like, okay, why am I feeling so defensive? Why do I need to be right? Why do I need to win this moment? Why do I feel hurt? And I said, is this supporting me in using positive energy towards my business, my brand, my relationships, my health, or is it hurting me? I recognized it was hurting me. So I said, okay, I get to let this go. I get to communicate my requests and then let it go. Otherwise, it will have power over me for weeks. And that's just what it is. It's first the awareness, being able to breathe. And it's not going to be easy. You know, the bigger the dream, the bigger the business, the bigger the risk of needing to wear the mask. So Mm. if you want to keep playing small because you're afraid, then stay in that fear. But I'm here to play big and it's going to require an emotional awareness every single day. And that's why I know you and a lot of people do meditation to keep us grounded before these things happen, to allow us to breathe in those moments and not just get offensive or defensive or frustrated all the time that we feel attacked or like we want to put our mask back on. Yes. Uh, It just gives you a little bit more space so you're not as like instantly reactive. So this is fantastic. and, And I've definitely had experiences of taking my masks off and they tend to be right before like the right before you take it off, I've had experiences of being the scariest moments in my life. Oh my um, gosh. It's terrifying. I kind of had an epiphany a few years ago of like, I was ashamed of how I was showing up in my family, like my, my parents. And, and I'm like, gosh, I'm a crappy son. Like I'm just like not a good loving son. And to call my dad and tell him I love him was something Ooh. I don't even think I had done over the age of like three or four, you know, like a little kid. I got you too, daddy. Wow. You know, and you never so told him this. I ne- never said I love you. And, and, you know, here I am like 30. So I'm like his whole life as an Holy adult, cow. as a teenager, never said it. And dialing his number <laughs> was, terrifying. The, I mean, I've been skydiving and I have a fear of flying. I have a fear of heights. I got a fear of falling. Like skydiving was the scariest thing I've ever done. And dialing those seven numbers was more terrifying then falling out of an airplane. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. Yeah, that was tough. But what was on the other side of that, I think what it really was, was forgiveness for myself. I think I had for years just silently was ashamed of who I was as a son. And I didn't think anyone, if I said I love you, what if you didn't say it back, right? Like, because that's what I felt like I deserved. And for him to say it back, all of a sudden it's like, Like there was this no more need for the shame. And I still to this day say like, I've done the scariest thing ever in my life. I can do anything just from that experience. Like I can do anything and so much like power back in the moment. That was my experience of taking a mask off. And that's a powerful moment. Yeah. And then, you know, you put them back on the next day and you go, Oh, look, it's back on and we're human. And this is the game we signed up for, you know, plain humans. So Yeah, it's not easy, but again, it's the scariest thing to do, but it's the most rewarding thing, and you'll start to see the biggest shifts in your business, your life. Like Again, you probably had this sense of freedom 
afterwards oh, yeah. that was so powerful and a weight off your shoulders from your whole life. And again, we're not perfect, but it's like it feels a lot better to live in that space than to constantly wear the mask. Yeah. Lewis, this has been fantastic, man. Real quick, tell us about the book, when it's coming out, how we can get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's out Halloween. Uh, so October 31st. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but you can pre order it now or it's out Halloween. So we're, we're doing a come as yourself party and we're taking off the mask on that mm. day and revealing our true selves to the world. Spiritually, at least, you can still wear a mask, but spiritually, <laughs> you're revealing yourself. And yeah, maskofmasculinity.com, or you can get it in Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all those places. And yeah, yeah thank you guys for, for checking it out. Of course. We're going to have that all linked up in the show notes, obviously. And just want to thank you again, Lewis, for what you're doing. This message is more crucial than ever, and it really is about the messenger just as much as the message. So uh, I really want to acknowledge you for that. Any last, Thanks, brother. Any last comments or thoughts just to call this episode complete before you take off? Yes, I would like to read a sentence mm. of what's available when you drop any of the masks. And I'll start with the stoic mask. Remember, stoic man, that you are a gift and there's so much to celebrate about you. The people who care about you the most have been waiting to see what's behind your mask. It's time to reveal the real you. These are some of the things that can flood back into your life when you drop the mask. Emotional freedom, a weight off your shoulders, a deeper relationship with men and women, healing, a healthy heart, vulnerability, the permission to feel, and acceptance and belonging. So I'll leave you guys with that. Each mask comes with such extreme benefits that you've never had or rarely get to experience. When you take them off, a whole new life opens up. You won't know until you try it. That's it. Lewis Howes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We'll see you in the next episode. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I wanna show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is, this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate, and we can get started right now.